Hello again. I'm Pete Toriello. And I'm Maureen Toriello. And it's time again for Mixing It Up with Pete and Maureen podcast, where every week we get together and we mix it up about whatever it is that we pull off the top of our heads. And you know sometimes that is somewhere else. And very often, straight from the heart. And this week on Mixing It Up with Pete and Maureen, we're reminiscing a little bit. And I know a lot of you baby boomers are going to enjoy the show because these are things that you will remember very fondly. And if you're not a baby boomer, either A, you're dead now, or (laughs) B, you're younger and you missed a lot of this stuff. But listen anyway, because it's, it's kind of fascinating. It is. We're talking about the lost amusement parks of New Jersey. And there were a lot of them, surprisingly so. More than I realized, but a lot of them disappeared very early on, only lasted maybe a year or two, Mm -hmm. and go back to like before we were even around. So I didn't bother to include them. Right. But but even the ones that were around, there's there's quite quite an assortment. So see if you remember any of those, and maybe you went to some of these amusement parks. If you went to this one that we're about to tell you about, you probably came out with a few bumps and bruises. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe a few scratches. And I know you've got to be saying, oh, he's talking about Action Park. Right, in Vernon, New Jersey. The most dangerous amusement park in the United States at one time. Crazy. It it ran 1978 until 1996. So it lasted a decent amount of time. A lot of rides, Mm -hmm. 75 rides. 40 of which were water slides. Yeah, I remember mostly it being a, a, a water type of, of amusement park. But a lot of people did get injured. A lot of people got, got hurt. Yeah, unfortunately, like you said, it was deemed one of the most dangerous parks. And I think a lot of that was due to the fact that a lot of the, the rides were uh, ones that you had to have a certain amount of physical prowess to be able to navigate yeah. things like the Tarzan swing, where you were swinging on a rope, letting go and letting yourself into a pool of water. Uh, ice cold water ice because cold. it was a spring. So, I mean, you know, there were things like that that kind of were asking for trouble, if you ask me. Yeah. Do you want to touch on some of the things that happened? Sure, there the sure. Um, there were uh, six people that were known to have died directly or indirectly from rides at Action Park. Uh, 19, July 8, 1980, a 19-year-old named George Larson Jr., he was riding the Alpine slide when his car jumped the track and his head struck a rock, killing him. Oof. Gene Mulvihill, I guess who was the owner at the time, mm-hmm. told reporters that Larson was an employee. Now, get this, this is a little shady, because a customer's death would have to be reported to the state. But by saying it was an employee, they kind of got under the radar. And he worked at, as a, a ski lift operator when it was a ski attraction in yeah. the wintertime. Never worked at Action Park, but they you know, coined him as an employee and got away with it. Yeah. Uh, July 24th in 1982, a 15-year-old boy drowned in the tidal wave pool. Uh, August 1st, 1982, a 27-year-old man from Long Island, he was riding a, a kayak and it tipped over and he got out to right the, the kayak and in doing so he stepped on a grate that was either in contact with or close to the, the water with live wiring. Now, you know, wiring and electricity, yeah. not a good mix. Never works out well. 
So uh, there were some underwater fans that somehow became exposed, and he suffered in a severe electric shock, which brought him into cardiac arrest. And uh, some of his family members were also nearby at the time, and they got injured. He was taken to a hospital in Warwick, New York, where he died of the shock-induced cardiac arrest. Mm. The park at first disputed that the electric electric current caused his death, saying there were no burns on his body. But the coroner responded that burns don't usually occur when it's a, a water electricity. That's correct. So, uh, again, the, the park was kind of trying to uh, divest itself of responsibility, it seems. The ride was drained, and they closed it for the investigation. Accounts differed as to the extent of the exposed wiring. The park said it was just a nick, while others argued that it was close to eight inches. The state's labor department found that the fan was properly maintained and installed and cleared the park of wrongdoing. However, it also said that the current had the possibility to cause bodily harm under certain circumstances. Mm -hmm. So the park claimed that it had been vindicated, although it never reopened the ride, saying that people would be afraid to go on it afterwards, and rightly so. Yeah, so 1996 was the end of Action Park, and I guess the end of the mayhem. Right. There's actually a uh, documentary about Action Park that you can probably find online talking all about the uh, the history of accidents and incidents there. Right. There's, there were several in the tidal wave pool. Yeah, uh, I think three, right? Three of them in the tidal wave pool. Yeah. And another one, uh, a fatal heart attack suffered by a visitor who was in the Tarzan swing, jumped off and... Into was, the cold water. It was 50 to 60 degrees. Yeah, now, that's I, too cold. You know, at the beginning of the season, when you go down the shore, the ocean is maybe 60 degrees and you can't stand to go in there. So I can't imagine yeah. plunging yourself into this pool, this pool of water. Um the other swimming pools were more like 70 and 80 degrees, but this was 50 to 60 degrees. It was a uh, spring-fed. Uh, uh, spring water spring is very, water, very so cold. It's cold and, you know, that's yeah. what it, it was. Hi- what hypothermia, it was. and that was that was it for, so, for that guy. So that was that was some of, some of the uh, liabilities that happened at Action Park. Then there was Bertrand Island, which I don't remember, but it was in Lake Hopatcong. It was called the Coney Island of New Jersey, and it ran from 1919 until 1983. And it was built on a peninsula, which actually extended out into Lake Hopatcom. Right. So it really wasn't an island, but it was it was a like a little peninsula yeah. that was stretched but out. Bert- Bertrand Island sounds better than uh, yeah. Bertrand Peninsula. <laughs> and now it's a uh, condominium development. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the sign is still there for Bertrand Island, but... Uh, Nothing to do yeah, with the amusement Yeah, it's like park. an overhead arch, I think, when you go yeah, in. It says it Ber- Bertrand nice. Island. Then there was Olympic Park in Irvington, mm-hmm. 1887 until 1965. And we used to live right across the street from what used to be Olympic Park. We lived uh, for 36 years in Irvington, and our home was on 40th Street. We were one house in from the corner of 40th and Olympic Terrace. And that was the one of the gates to go into Olympic Park was right off of Olympic Terrace. And the roller coaster was like right across from where our driveway would have been would have if, been, if yeah. you kept going. Yeah. So uh, we and we know that one firsthand. I know I went there, you know, probably every year while I was young and uh, rode a lot of the rides. It, it's a very fond memory to a lot of people in that area. And had an incredible swimming pool. 
that's what I've never was in the swimming pool because we usually go at night. We used to go at night, and the pool, of course, would be only open during the day. But it had like a sandy beach around it, as I understand. Yeah, one side. One side had a sand beach. And in the middle of it, they had, uh, I guess, like an island that you could swim out to. Like, yeah, like a dock kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, what was unusual about the pool was that it was lower around the perimeter and it got deeper towards the center, as opposed to most pools, which start have a low end and a high end. This was more like a, a deep, deepening as you went in towards the middle. But uh, it was, I think it was a saltwater pool, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, saltwater, kind of like the one that they had uh, up at Palisades. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it might have had a wave maker, too. I'm not sure. That I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, it, it was an old German concept, like a beer garden with the Oompa-Pa bands. Yeah. And uh, they had really good... Had a uh, roller skating rink. Roller skating rink. They, had, uh, they used to have a circus if you went there at night, you got to a full full circus, and uh, they had a great birch beer in the beer garden with you know out of a keg. It was really nice, nice place. In fact, the church that you and I went to for many years, Saint Paul the Apostle in Irvington, when it was under construction, right? They the masses the, were held in the roller in the skating roller skating rink. rink yes, because the Gunther family they were parishioners. Mm-hmm. And, and they allowed the, the church to use it yeah. until the, the building was, of the church was constructed. And the story goes, I don't know if it's just apocryphal or not, but the story goes that if you lived on 40th Street, they would give you free admission to the park because you, you were putting up with the noise. I've the heard park. that. And I've, yeah, I've heard that people, story. Yeah, and, uh, or any of the surrounding streets, uh, you know, if, if you were you know, within... Your shot of the place, you, you got free passes for your family. The last season for Olympic Park was in 1965 when the Gunther family sold it for its real, real estate potential. They sold it mm. for $2 million. And it languished for like 16 years Yeah. before they decided what they were going to do with it because, as you understand, the park encompassed both Maplewood and Irvington. And the two towns had very differing viewpoints on what should be done with the how the property should be disposed of, what the zoning should be, how the taxes should be divided, uh, blah, blah, blah. And it went. It was in court for over like 16 years. It went back and forth, back and forth, and you'd hear, oh, it's going to do this. Oh, no, it's not. And, and meanwhile, a lot of the wreckage, a lot, a lot of the stuff was just standing there aging. Right, and uh, overgrown with weeds. And eventually they... Uh, demolished it, and it became a light industrial complex, right. which is how it is today. I remember taking our kids, because our, our kids were fascinated by the whole history of it, and we walked across the street, and we went over to where the swimming pool used to be. And the story goes that when they drained the swimming pool they and they demolished everything, they had all of this wreckage to get rid of, and so they just bulldozed it into the swimming pool and covered everything over. That may be. I, I can't verify that. Yeah. But I, the, uh, you know, the and town- it was kind of sad because it's a parking lot now behind. There's like there was a vitamin company there mm-hmm. and their parking was where the swimming pool used to be. And, and it was kind of sad. And you said you could kind of see like a little depression. There was a little depression in the ground where it kind of went down a little bit. So you, it kind of gave you the idea that, OK, this is where the pool was. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, there was a fond, fond place to, to go. Yeah, yeah, a lot of, lot of happy memories uh, about Olympic Park. 
And then there was maybe the grandest park of the ball, at least in the New York metropolitan area. And if you are a baby boomer and you listen to AM radio in the 1960s, you heard this. Palisades has the rides, Palisades has the fun. Come on over, show some dancing or free, so's the parking, so gee. Come on over. Palisades from coast to coast, where a dime buys the most. Palisades amusement park swings all day and after dark. Ride the coaster, get cool in the waves in the pool, you'll have fun. So come on over. You can't tell me that you did not sing along with that. Yeah, that's for what sure. a terrific jingle. It's iconic. Mm-hmm. It is really iconic. I forget the name of the, the guy who sang it. I'm sure somebody will know it. Somebody will know. <laughs> somebody will know. Uh, you can write to us at Pete Maureen Podcast and, and tell us who, who sang that. And the guy's name, I guarantee you, as soon as we get done recording this show, it'll come to me. Probably. I think it was Steve something. I, I can't remember the, the last name. I know. But they did have the world's largest outdoor saltwater pool with a wave maker, I believe. It was a huge park. Mm-hmm. But the thing that really caused their demise in 1971 it ran from 1898 till 1971 that's a good long run was there was a lot of pressure from local residents who were sick and tired of the traffic jams getting into the park because they didn't have adequate parking and so there would be a lot of traffic backed up on local streets and people parking on the (laughs) local streets and so forth and uh, it, it didn't go well with the local residents and there was a lot of pressure too from real estate developers because you had this incredible tract of property up on the palisades mm-hmm. it was a gorgeous view a of the city. gorgeous view of the city and of course they saw dollar signs yeah you know we we can turn this into one hell of a condo i think they put up like four or five different condominium towers it was a texas company mm-hmm. that uh, that eventually bought the thing and uh, it went to the wrecking ball in 1971 they used to have a stage there. They called it the free, the free stage, I think it was. And uh, anybody who was anybody in the rock and roll world would appear there. They'd Frankie Avalon and, you know, Chubby Checker. And the shows would be hosted by Dick Clark and uh, Cousin Brucey. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a local TV show here, uh, Clay Cole. Some of you may remember Clay Cole's record wagon which was kind of like a local version of the dick clark american bandstand and it was originally done out of the old channel 13 in newark and then it moved over to channel 11 in new york and clay cole would do his tv show from there and you could see these shows for free you could see chubby checker frankie avalon and it was just part of the of the the cheap admission yeah where dime buys the most yeah (laughs) yeah that's incredible it's incredible and there's a story that the owner of Palisades Parkway knew that there was a hole in the fence that kids used to sneak into mm-hmm. so that they didn't have to pay the dime admission. And he said, leave it there because yeah, they're going to stiff me on a dime to get into the park, but they're going to spend multiples of that buying cotton candy and going on rides and amusements. And like so that? they're going to spend multiples of that. So he was fine with that hole being there. That's funny. And then there's kids world. Oh, yes. Sammy the Sea Lion. Our kids loved Kids World. It was in Long Branch. And it ran, uh, well, only two years, 1985 to 1987. Part of it was embraced 
by the Long Branch Pier, mm-hmm. which had other attractions on it. Right. And then the Kids World was a uh, water park on the other side of the street. I think that's Ocean Avenue there. Right. And it was on the other side, and that was uh, like a water park for, for little kids. For little kids. It was nothing uh, bad. You know, it was like a wading pool, little fountains, little tiny slides and stuff. It was not the big scary water parks like yeah. we have now. And uh, it, it was great when you had young kids because there wasn't a lot of places that you could take them where they could play safely like It was that. great for our kids. Yeah. And if you ever walked along that pier in Long Branch, you probably heard this music. Maybe some of you still hear it in your nightmares. It is the music of the Haunted Mansion of Long Branch. That is the music that they would play on the loudspeakers as you walk by what was undoubtedly one of the most frightening amusement parks ever conceived. The Haunted Mansion at Long Branch is a living, breathing nightmare of more than 30 incredible rooms, each with its own very special surprise. Wander through its myriad of secret passageways and winding labyrinths. Discover the graveyard of the living dead and its unimagined terror. There's Renfield and his spiders, the Prince of Darkness, Count Dracula, and many more. At the Haunted Mansion at Long Branch, it's waiting for you. Man, even the commercial was scary. Yeah. <laughs> Gives <laughs> good, me chills. Good voiceover guy. Uh, Sounds like Vincent Price a little. I took our kids there. On well, I, one think, of, I think just Sean. Maybe it was just Sean? Yeah. And we went to the Haunted Mansion. And this was after Kids World had taken it over. Mm-hmm. And they had toned it down because the original Haunted Mansion, there was one at Long Branch, one down in Brigantine. I'm telling you, not for the faint of heart. Yeah. Really. Live actors made up in costumes and just scary, scary stuff. And so we took our kids down and I went into the, the haunted mansion with, uh, with my elder son, Sean. And at that time, they did not have the live actors in there. And it was creepy. The thing, the haunted mansion was three stories high, 10,000 square feet. Oh, it was feet. a mansion. Yeah. Yeah, it was a a mock-up of a mansion, Mm -hmm. and it had these long, dark corridors, and you would go from one exhibit to another, and, uh, you know, they would have, like, a a headless woman with, like, blood being pumped into her neck, and I remember walking by, they had one exhibit, it was kind of like an old dining room, you know, Mm -hmm. with the old furniture and cobwebs and real dark, spooky lighting, and they had these mannequins of, like, decomposing bodies sitting at at the dinner table with with plates and stuff and you would walk by and the organ would come on yeah and the keys would go up and down all by themselves and so sean and i got through the whole thing and it was fine it was it was spooky but it was fun spooky Mm -hmm. the second time that i took him through on on a a few years later i didn't realize that they had brought back the live actors so now, old Pete goes in and says, I've got this. Come on, Sean, let's go in. I've got this. And we're walking through the haunted mansion, and we come up to this grim reaper standing there with the, the sickle and very stoically. I thought it was a wax figure. 
and I touched it, and I said to Sean, wow, look at this Grim Reaper. Doesn't this look real? And the guy in the costume goes, (laughs) I run. (laughs) I let go of my son's hand, and I'm running like my butt is on fire. (laughs) And I go running out of the haunted mansion. And little Sean is there, and he's going, Dad, it's just a guy in a costume. What What are you running for? (laughs) I wonder if he even remembers. I'll bet uh, you he does. I'll uh, bet you he does. And of course, uh, there was Kids World, and Kids World had a nice catchy jingle too. Not as good as Palisades, uh but pretty good. Listen. Kids World that's around you. It's happening all around you. The fun that makes the magic moment. You say, tell the story. Dizzy, dizzy, spin, jumping out, bumping in. Riding down, climbing high, it all begins. At the neatest kids place in the whole wide world. Share the magic moment that Kids World. National Guard G.I. Joe Days display August 1st and 2nd at Kids World, Long Branch, New Jersey. Share the magic moment that Kids World. There was a wonderful innocence. Mm-hmm. to kids world yeah yeah and of course it it all burned to the ground unfortunately there was a mcdonald's on that pier and i guess it must have been a grease fire or something that started and as you know those piers were all made out They're of wood, all wood so it was all kindling so it was you know once, ent- once it started it was darn hard to put it the out the entire pier was lost the haunted mansion was lost i remember when it was on television Little Sean was like crying. Yeah. And he was worried about Sammy the sea lion. Sammy the sea lion was a concrete sea lion that was in a, uh, like a little wading pool across the road from the pier. That was the, where they had the kids rides and the, the water slides and all. Mm -hmm. And you would go in and the first thing that you saw was Sammy the sea lion. And so he was all upset that something was going to happen to Sammy the sea lion. Yeah, he was attached to him. Yeah. Sammy was like a, a sea lion that they had like a fountain spraying out of his nose. And yeah. uh, it was cute, you know. So 1985 to 87, and that was the short, sad life of Kids World. Yeah. Then there was one that I remember. I went there once, uh, Cowboy City in Farmingdale, yeah, which is near Howell. Mm-hmm. It was on Route 33 in Farmingdale. And that only ran from 1955 to 1960. Another short-lived. Short-lived, and it was a uh, a replica of a Wild West town. You mm-hmm. know, they had the typical Wild West community with the saloon and yeah. the stagecoach, and mm-hmm. they would rob the stagecoach. And, the and, and things, yeah. 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 And I remember going there as a kid, and then there was another one with a similar format called Wild West City. Right. Which was up in Byram, and that ran uh, from 1957 to 2009. So and I, I believe they reopened it, so I think it's still. It's That's what I hear. It's again. open again. Uh, apparently, what had happened was the owner died, mm-hmm. and it was one of those things where the family was like, "Well, what do we do with this now?" Yeah, you know. Yeah. And uh, eventually, it was sold, and now the new owners are trying to uh, to revive it. And they unfortunately did have a shooting incident there involving the uh, the robbery of the stagecoach show. Yeah, yeah. And it was one of those things where. It was supposed to be blanks in the gun, and some way, somehow, it wasn't blanks. Oh, that's, that's terrible. And one of the actors got, got shot. I don't remember if he died or not. I, I think he survived, but, but was paralyzed or something mm. and got like a huge settlement. Yeah. So. But it kind of tarnished the reputation of so, it for, yeah. for quite some time. 
Then there's Warner Brothers Jungle Habitat, which had a very short life of only four years, 1972 to 1976. Right, and that was a, a quite a, a new concept at the time to have actual live animals that were not in a zoo-type setting, animals that you could ride through and uh, a safari trail and see them. I guess kind of like close. what they have down at Six Flags, although I heard they don't have that anymore at Six Flags now. Well, I don't know. I, I read that the do. safari is gone at, at Six Flags. I don't know. Or they changed it that you're not driving through it or, or something like that? I, I haven't heard. I don't know. Because they had incidents at uh, Jungle Habitat where people were attacked by some of the animals and uh, the animals had uh, damaged some people's cars. That even happened down at Six Flags a few well, times. Well, they used to warn you that, if, like, I don't know if they don't really do that so much anymore, but remember convertible cars and cars that have, like, those vinyl roofs? They would tear the they vinyl. They would say or... they would have, like, a, a bypass route because there were certain animals that had those, the claws that right. uh, could damage your car. So, like, uh, if you were driving through, you would they had, like, a bypass that you would not see those particular animals and you'd only see the the ones that you know were safe for you to drive through but they did have a few unfortunate incidents yeah and you know i guess it's it, with any of these things it's bound to happen it's going to happen sooner or later uh in uh october 9th 1972 an israeli tourist at abraham levy was driving through the safari in a taxi and was attacked by a lion and then in, also in November, only a month later, 1972, two wolves got escaped, but they were caught before exiting the property. So it was kind of like a non-event. Yeah. You know, they, nothing really bad happened. And then the, 1972 was not a good year. Then December 1972, so this is three months in a row of something happening, television show host Jack Parr was cut because he was roughhousing with a six-month-old tiger cub. He was filming a TV special down there, and he was playing around with the tiger cub, and he got cut. Um, well, there were a lot of people who didn't like Jack Parr, so <laughs> <laughs> maybe some, maybe some, maybe maybe the tiger cub saw his version of the Tonight Show. <laughs> who knows? But, uh, but again, but you're roughhousing with a wild animal. Yeah, uh, that has claws. What do you think is going to happen? Really, uh, and. Uh, and they took a little bit of a break. In 74, a woman was bitten by a baby elephant who reached out of its enclosure with its trunk and grabbed the woman. How scary is that? Yeah, yeah. And she got $200,000 for her injuries. Wow. And in 77, seven of the park's animals contracted tuberculosis and ended up being euthanized. Now, that might be where the rumor got started. When Jungle Habitat closed in 1976, and this was an 800-acre complex, uh, the rumor was that a lot of the animals were left out there to die or that they were shot. Mm. So and these might have been the ones that were euthanized. Maybe be. not necessarily shot, but hope, hopefully but were, but humanely I was going to say, but it was a, put to sleep. It as was they because say. Of, of illness. Because it was of illness. not because of neglect. The animals, there was no mass graveyard of dead animals at Jungle Habitat. Weird New Jersey had done a thing about it, uh, alleging that that is what happened. There is no truth in that story, apparently. The animals were sold off to other zoos. I, and I, I, that makes the most sense. That makes more sense. You know, uh, I, th I think that those kind of animals, they would be a welcome addition to a, a zoo. They were, you know, 
bona fide yeah. wild animals. Yeah, and, and I, I doubt very much that they were left out there to die or just shot on Just loss. for the heck of it, yeah. yeah. And last but certainly not least oh. is, uh, oh, we had fairy tale forest. We have a couple more. Oh, okay, I'm just watching the <laughs> clock here. That's why I'm, I'm moving yeah. ahead. Well, anyway, fairy tale forest in yeah. Oak Ridge, New Jersey, 1957 to 2007. Uh, it was a fairy tale place with a castle and, and fairy tale figures. And again, closed. It's now a storage facility. Although you can still see remnants of the castle there. Yeah, that's sad. And then there was Gingerbread Castle in Hamburg, New Jersey, 1930s to the 1970s. The castle is actually still standing there. It's not an open attraction anymore. Uh, the, the, a family is, is, has bought it, and they're thinking about trying to refurbish it and reopen it. He's been working on that apparently for a few years. But uh, And they, they did have some special events held in it and... Uh, you know, tried to accrue some money that way. I went once when I was a kid, and what I remember is the inside was you know made up like Hansel and Gretel's the story scenes from Hansel and Gretel. But while you were waiting online to go into the castle, they only allowed a you know small groups at a time. The witch would come out, and she would you know interact with the, the kids online and she'd be like oh my pretty you know i i can't wait to put you into my oven and make gingerbread <sighs> out of you you know <laughs> that's kind you of thing probably, probably could not yeah you now. can't do that today but you know I, I, I when i went i was old enough to know that it was just a joke you people know, today thing. take it too seriously yeah and you, you couldn't do that today there, there would be trouble there but would be trouble. Uh, it, it was you know it was a it was a neat looking place and, and the like I said, the castle is still there. Yeah. So uh, hopefully, maybe they can refurbish it. Yeah. Don Oriello is the guy who bought it, and his uh, grandfather was in the entertainment field. He was involved in the creation of uh, the Casper cartoons, and uh, what Felix was it? The Felix cat, the think, Cat right? too. Yeah. yeah. So he owns it now, and he is slowly trying to get it up and and running. And we certainly wish him a lot of a lot of luck yeah. with that. And finally, finally, finally. <laughs> And this one upset a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Bowcraft Playland on Route 22 in Scotch Plains, which existed from 1946 until just a few years ago in 2018. Yep. And there were only two owners in that entire time. And for most of the time, it was Ted Miller and his wife. Ted created it uh, in 1946, right after the war. And he well, was he started it as an archery. He was an uh, archery and skiing or, enthusiast. Right. And so he it built, didn't start out as an amusement park. No, he had an archery range there and a ski shop, and then he put in like a ski a ski lift or something. And from there it grew into the Bowcraft Playland that, that we know today. And they had uh, a number of rides. It was a big complex. It was 12 and a half acres. Yeah, and it was surprising because when you went there while it was in operation, it didn't seem that big. No. The rides were pretty close together. It had a very and, local feel to it. But uh, once it was leveled and you could see the amount of land that it encompassed, it was quite a big yeah, track. big parking lot. Yeah. They had 21 attractions in the final season, including two roller coasters. And uh, Ted Miller and his wife sold it to the Mark family in 1996. They had an incident there in 1992 where a little kid fell off the Ferris wheel, fell 50 Mm. feet, miraculously survived. 
And uh, they sold the complex for $2.8 million. The Mark family wanted to turn Bowcraft into a water park, but there was a lot of opposition from the local people. There was also a lot of pressure to uh, demolish it and build condos there, which is what's going to happen. It's the same thing that was the death knell for Palisades Park. Right. The the pressure to turn it into condominiums. The the value of the real estate was worth more than the the attraction itself. So the Mark family, to their credit, tried to keep it open. They were in court for six years, won the battle, lost the war. Unfortunately, and the the water park obviously never happened, and now it's 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 all demolished. They sold off the rides, and it's gone. And the Millers, who were the original owners and developers of it, they were very philanthropic people. They used to give like one percent of the proceeds to charity. Yeah, and uh, even in the years where they were they hemorrhaging red it. ink, yeah, they so, were committed to that. And I think you know that that's worth noting that, that they had a, a real love for the community, and it, that's they why did. It's a damn shame. The Millers were a hell of a lot better to Scotch Plains than Scotch Plains was to them, yeah. truth be known. Truth be known. Because any time that they had applied for a variance or they had applied to, to get a permit to do something, the town would fight them tooth and nail. Uh, that's a shame. And they gave back a lot to that town. And mm-hmm. that, that was just wrong. I'm sorry, and, it's and, just and wrong. Also, it was, it was a great employment place for young like teenagers and college kids. In the summers, they could work there, work in the rides, work in the amusements. So it, it provided uh, you know, part-time job opportunities, too. Yeah, Ted Miller died in June of 2017. And Isabel, his wife, died in December of 2017. Of a broken heart, probably. At the age of 100. Mm. So, rest in peace, Millers. And thank you for all of the uh, the happy memories surrounding Bowcraft Playland. I remember taking our granddaughter there. Yes. Hey, next week, another edition of Mixing It Up with Pete and Maureen. We hope that you enjoyed this week's show, and hopefully we brought back... Uh, some happy memories for you. I hope so. Nice to hear that Palisades Park jingle again. Boy, yeah. what a what a memory maker. And you can write to us, by the way, with your comments and questions at Pete and Maureen Podcast at Yahoo.com. If you're listening to us on the Anchor.fm app, you can even leave us a voice message down at the bottom. So we'll see you next week. Until then, uh, I'm Pete Toriello. And I'm Maureen Toriello. Goodbye. God bless you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening. listening.